Welcome to another episode of the Awareness Advantage Podcast, where leaders who are good at getting stuff done become great leaders to influence and inspire people. I'm your U.S. co-host and best-selling author, Kevin McCarthy, joined by my good friend, Canadian business partner, and best-selling author, Licky Labji. If you have not yet done so, click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And now, the Awareness Advantage Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. My name is Kevin McCarthy, best-selling author of Blind Spots, Why Good People Make Bad Choices, and CEO of Blind Spots Global. And I'm Vicky Lachi, president of Blind Spots Global and best-selling author by Death by BS, navigating your blind spots to become a better leader. Each week, Kevin and I facilitate authentic conversations with leaders just like you to help you discover what it takes from being a manager who is good at getting stuff done to being a great leader who inspires others to do their best. Absolutely. And you'll get answers to questions like, how do you motivate people and inspire them to follow your vision? And how do you build trust in yourself as well as within your team? Or how do you create an environment where everyone feels safe and valued and so much more? And we'll also hear from leaders just like you who've had made these changes in their own lives and businesses and how they've grown from being managers into incredible great leaders. Now, you've all heard the statement, right? That people don't leave organizations. They leave what? They leave who? They leave managers, right? Well, based on Gallup's largest global study of the future of work, here's what they report about that. They say, of all the codes that Gallup has been asked to crack dating back 80 years to its founder, George Gallup, the single most profound, distinct, and clarifying finding ever is probably this one. 70% of the variance in team engagement is determined solely by the manager. Now, Blind Spots Global, based on our combined human behavior research over the past 30 years, we believe that Gallup's profound discovery is due to one blind spot, and that possibly the most significant blind spot of all, and that is a lack of awareness of self, of others, and of the situation that we find ourselves in. So this program is dedicated to having authentic conversations with leaders throughout North America and across the globe about how good managers can become great leaders by revealing and eliminating their blind spots. So Kevin, let's get started on what is a blind spot and what are we talking about? <laughs> well, first of all, let's, uh, let me, let me interject something is as you use the words authentic conversations twice in that script, <laughs> it felt like an oxymoron going on here. You know, reality is we did script what we just set out because there's a lot of folks here for the very first time, and uh, we are getting ready to launch a whole new program related to this. It's our podcast, the Awareness Advantage podcast, uh, but that's it. No more scripts. From here on, we're just going to have conversations. What do you think? Yeah. I feel way better about that, Kevin. Woo! Yeah, right now. Actually, Randall's smiling like, yes. Whew. Thought the whole thing was going to be an hour of scripted conversation. Randall's uh, like, I'm out of here. I don't like I this. I know, right? Everybody's screen is shutting off. What's going on, Nikki? Oh, seriously. No, really, uh, good question, Nikki. So 
when we think in terms of blind spots, first of all, we all have blind spots. Can we all agree with that? Right? We all have blind spots and blind spots are, are, are really those uh, unconscious biases, the uh, thinking errors and, and the, you know, the, the idea that we don't know what we don't know. Sometimes the things we think we know <laughs> aren't even so. That's the biggest blind spot I think sometimes. But when you think in terms of we all have blind spots, how do we know what we don't know? What can we do to uncover and shine a light on our blind spots so that we don't have to allow our blind spots to manage us? And to put us into situations that we later regret or hold us back from being who we want to be or getting where we want to go, right? So, Kevin said, we all have blind spots. We all have different abilities, different characteristics. We know ourselves sometimes. How do we even actually know what other people's blind spots are? How do we categorize where where they stand? So, Kevin, we've got this thing called secret survey. Let's have some fun with that right now. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's play a game. Some of you know this uh, secret survey, some of you don't. And this is a really quick, non-scientific way to uh, start to identify different people's temperaments that you are in relationship with or working with. All right. Everybody has a unique temperament and there's no one size fits all in uh, dealing and working with people. So it's best if we can understand what's, first of all, what's my temperament? You know, what, what, we like to use the phrase left unaware. Like if I'm in a position where I'm simply unaware in the moment, what's my go-to? How am I showing up? How do I, how do I react you know, when I'm left unaware? Well, if you can understand that, that'll be half the battle. If you can also understand other people's temperaments, like when they're left unaware, how are they showing up? How are they going to react? How are they you know, behaving and such? And so one of the ways to, to start this conversation, and we're going to go have lots of conversations over the course of time. But one of the ways to start this conversation is certainly they can take the blind spot assessment. That's, that's easy, right? You go to the, go to the website, you signed up and uh, for this program on, you take the blind spot assessment within three minutes, you know what your style is and your style is your temperament. We're talking about, you know, whether you're a competitor or a motivator or a peacemaker or an analyzer, but what if you don't have time to ask somebody else to take a blind spot assessment? That's what Leaky's talking about. This is our secret survey. We call it secret. Shh. It's top secret because you don't want them to know you're actually doing a survey on them in the moment. And, and here's why you ask two simple sets of questions and really quick within 30 seconds, you have a fairly good idea of who you're speaking with and then how you can adapt to their style. So I'll tell you what, why don't we launch with those questions? Leaky, what do you think? I think so. I think so. You know, um, Kevin and I have always talked about, I wish everybody had taken the assessment then go down to the tattoo parlor and then get that style tattooed on their forehead so we know exactly who, who we're talking to, what temperaments we're dealing with. However, we've tried that and this people just won't go for it. I, I, um, I'm waiting for Kevin to do it first. Uh, Kevin's choosing not to, I'm not sure why. So why don't we start with this question? And this is a question you ask yourself about the other person. Are they fast-paced and direct, or are they slow-paced and indirect? And maybe ask yourself this question, are you fast-paced and direct, and are you slow-paced and indirect, or are you slow-paced and indirect? Yeah, in fact, do ask yourself that question. So let's assume you haven't taken the blind spot assessment for a second. You're wondering, what is my temperament? And then, like Licky said, 
you can do the same thing about other people. What is their temperament? So are you fast-paced and direct or slower-paced and indirect? Answer that question real quick and then log the answer in your thinking. You can think of it in terms of top half and bottom half. Top half is fast-paced. Bottom half of this quadrant we're talking about is slower-paced. What's the next set of questions, Lippy? Well, are you task-oriented or are you people-oriented? Okay, so you already have your answer to the first question. You're faster, you're slower. Now we're thinking about priority, which is your temperament more task-oriented or people-oriented? It's going to move you into one of the four quadrants at this point. Well, hey, Kevin, let's have some fun with this. As they're doing theirs, let's get to do the secret survey on you and I. Oh, well, they barely know us. I know, not at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm so slow-paced and task-oriented. No, no, you're not. <laughs> well, so you have your... You have your style now. You're either a competitor, a motivator, an analyzer, a peacemaker. So here's how here's how it plays out. If you say I'm a more fast-paced, direct person, and I am a more task-oriented, even a little bit more guarded type of a person, you just described who a competitor is. You're a competitor, and a, a competitor, they are driven for results. They're I mean, they want to win at all costs. That's hence the name competitor. Uh, competitors can be very decisive, like uh, they don't always have the right answer, but they'll always have an answer. Uh, they're focused, competitors are very focused, they're always trying to solve problems and challenges, and if you were to sum it up into one keyword, they're all about results. I got places to be, people to see, get to the punchline, and give me the bullet points. Let's get some results here. That's a competitor. Some of you might be shaking your head and say, yeah, that's pretty much me. Now, if you were to say, you're fast-paced and direct, but yet you're more people-oriented, a little bit more warmer or open and not so guarded. You just described yourself or the other person as a motivator. Now, a motivator is, they live for expression. I mean, they love to express. They love to tell stories. Uh, they're very optimistic people. Uh, oftentimes, they're the life of the party, the motivators, because it's like they're connectors. They love lots of friends, lots of connections. They're all about people and, and contacts. So in fact, if you, uh, if you identify somebody as a motivator and you're looking to have a social gathering for the, for the company, those are the people you want to have in charge of that social gathering. Well, you need to probably bring a competitor in just so that they get things done on time because motivators also like to chase shiny objects, right? Licky, you're shaking your head. No, ah, uh -uh. like we don't believe that. Licky is proverbial motivator. I am the proverbial competitor. Now, if you were to say, Kevin, I'm a slower pace, a little bit more indirect style, and I am definitely on the people side. I'm a, I'm a people person. I'm, I'm uh, more open and a little bit more warm. Then you're the peacemaker. And peacemakers, they live for harmony. They're all about team. They're very patient people. They, they're very steady as they go. They, they're all about pace and consistency. And if you have a team and you don't have any peacemakers, bring some in because they'll help with the harmony on your team, bring a little bit more balance to your culture. Now, if you were to say, Kevin, yeah, I'm a little bit slower paced, a little bit more indirect. I'm also a little bit more task oriented, a little bit more guarded. Then you would be who is known as an analyzer. Analyzers live for rules and accuracy. 
I mean, they're going to dot their I's and cross their T's. They're going to double check, triple check their work and yours. And they're known by being very cautious and they're focused on procedures and constraints. So you can see what we just did there in just a few moments is described four completely different temperaments or styles as we like to call them. And hopefully you've identified your style and you're like, huh, yeah, that's, that's kind of me. Now there's uh, there's actually eight styles altogether. We've only focused on four that we call the primary styles. The, the eight styles, the other four are the blended styles. So when you take the blind spot assessment, don't be shocked if you're not one of those four, you're a energizer or a connector or what have you. Because when you study and understand the primary styles, you'll automatically start to see the blends because the truth is most of us are not just one style. If we're going back to the original comment, if we're left unaware, we will tend to gravitate towards that style. But because we are learning and growing and becoming more and more aware in the moment, not just self-aware, but aware in the moment, because we're becoming more aware in the moment, we're able to move in and out of different styles and adapt our temperament to other temperaments so that we can actually connect better, have better communications and build better relationships. Thanks, Tim. That's, I, I love that. And so now as you've gone through your own styles and figured out what temperament you are, um, competitor, motivator, analyzer, peacemaker, think about the people you work with, the people that you're always associated with. What kind of questions can you ask them? I'm assuming you know the people you work with, but people that you don't really know that well, what kind of questions could you ask them to find out whether they're fast-paced or slow-paced, whether they're task-oriented or people-oriented? I was having a conversation yesterday with a client and kind of went through the same scenario and they're a, into sales. And I said, well, what would you ask a person walking in the door right away? Instead of saying, hi, how are you? So we came up with three or four different types of questions they could ask to figure out whether they're fast-paced, slow-paced tasks or people-oriented. So think about yourselves and the people that you work with. Where do they fit in? And as you put them into the right categories and understand where you are and see what their behaviors are, what's the conversation look like? How are you managing them? Is there conflict? So yesterday in the, in the conversation we had, we talked about the car salesman, for example. A person walks into a car dealership and the salesperson looks at the car and says, wow, what a great car. I see you've got a Thule roof rack on the top of the car. And the guy goes, yeah, you know, we were traveling across America and we had an incredible time. We stopped for all these different places and I had my bikes up there and I had the skis going on there. We did some hiking and it's kept on telling stories. Well, you know where they're going, aren't they? They're already a motivator. Whereas if the answer was a little bit more differently, yeah, I got the 2D roof rack. It's an XT310 and it actually holds a bike that has up to 300 pounds. Well, you know exactly where they are. They're an analyzer detail-oriented. So understanding the temperament, as soon as they walk in, you can work with them in where they need to be at. So if they're storytellers, you can tell them about a car story at that point and walk them through that. If they're a detail, you better start telling them how many horsepower and what the gas mileage is on that car because that's what they want to know. So that's kind of what we came up with yesterday. So think about in your world, 
what kind of questions do you have? What kind of, what can you ask to figure out where they fit in? Or what kind of observations, right? Like you, like you said, how are they behaving? How are they acting? Are they warm? Are they, are they not as warm, right? Are they focused on tasks or are they really all about building a relationship? Yeah. You can start figuring that out as you begin to dive deeper into the idea of who am I and who are these others that I'm in relationship with at whatever level. Now, I, it just dawns on me, Licky. So we're, for those of you who've been with us since we started this program in 2021, some of you have been with us almost from the beginning. Uh, you know that we are talking way more than we usually talk. Because <laughs> usually with these programs, and this is where it will go from here, is these programs are more about we'll bring up a subject and we'll ask a lot of questions and we'll have a lot of great dialogue back and forth. And really, because we want to dive in and pick your brains, we want to tap into the collective genius of everybody here. That's because we're all leaders. We're all in some level of leadership. Uh, we're all trying to figure this out and navigate. Some of us are, you know, solo oper operators. Some of us are CEOs, CFOs, COOs, you name it, and everywhere in between. So the reason we're doing this now is sort of laying a foundation because of the, the unveiling, if you will, of our new program here, the, the revamping of the program for 2023 and beyond and calling it the leadership forum. So there's a great foundation for us. We're not going to speak about uh, these styles every single week. We're going to ask a lot of questions and bring up a lot of subject matter that's on your minds. In fact, on that note, some of you probably already noticed because I already saw some of you submit a question uh, in the program. When you log in, there is an opportunity for you to say, hey, I would love to get answers to this question. And so put those in. You have questions come up through the week. Just log in and say, oh, here's a here's a scenario. Boy, I'd love to get everybody's input on this scenario, right? Let us know because we this program is for you when it's all said and done. We want to help all of you like we help ourselves to become better people, better managers, better leaders. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. On that note. On that note, thinking about a question. I have a question, Licky, for the group. And here is where we start shutting up and you start talking. <laughs> <laughs> so for whoever's got the first, you know, comment, suggestion, answer, please speak up. Thinking about managers who you've, who you have now, or, or just maybe managers in the past that you've worked for, what do you believe makes a good manager that makes you feel valued and appreciated? In other words, those managers who you've had where you felt valued and appreciated, what have they done? Who have they been in your life where you could say, you know what? Yeah, I felt amazing or I feel amazing working for this person or that person. What's a characteristic that comes to your mind when I ask that question? So the answer is setting up people for, for, for success. Yeah, but today that should be the mission. 
it's not about me, 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 but it's about, you know, who's around you and how you can get them to the next level. Thank That's you. awesome. Yeah, I, lo- I love that. And it's about helping and empowering the other person next to you, right? Love that. Thanks for sharing that. A couple of questions. Yeah, no. in the- yeah. it, it, it's something, ironically, uh, somebody else had posted something somewhere and I said, and something I've taken away leaving the corporate world is you want to work for people that are going to set you up for success and not put their own needs ahead of yours at the end of the day. Mm. Yeah, that's really good insight. Love that. And uh, Al, you had a, a good uh, answer there. He says, because they develop and care about you. And Will, you wrote someone that was more coach-like. And Elizabeth, uh, where you said, someone who listens to and hear and not to respond. That's good. What else? What makes you feel valued and appreciated as an employee? Turn it around just a little bit. What makes you feel valued and appreciated at work? All right, I, I, Licky, I'm, I'm. I was just what I was going to say is that we do allow you to come up with whatever you want to come up with, but there is a point where Licky usually come play. We're a good cop, bad cop. So Licky comes in and says, "I'm just going to call on somebody." <laughs> After twelve seconds. Paul, wants to say something there. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. This is Kelly. I'm kind of working a lot of environment. Are you guys seeing the chats coming in? We are, Kelly. Thank you. We got a couple coming in here from you. Uh, you said one of the ones you said was, I work in a loud environment, so chatting responses. A good leader focuses on relationship building, exhibit humility, and empowers others. Mm, I love that. Right. Thanks, Kelly. Mm-hmm. Will also said, I had a leader once that embraced the acronym WAIT. Why am I talking? Kevin? Kevin? He spoke when needed, hey. but allowed to stop. I really resemble that remark. Yeah, I know. He spoke when needed, but allowed his staff to shine and push their thoughts and ideas. I like that. Give mm. proactive feedback by Al again. And Greg, what I've been, been an employee, autonomy has been the key thing. These are great comments here. Eileen yeah. takes time out of their day to connect. Yeah, and I was going to say, Sherry, uh, we skip right over one of your messages. Uh, you said, authentic and not a micromanager because of their trust in you. Well, that's a big one, right? You you feel valued and, and, and appreciated if your boss trusts you, right? Wow. And uh, Steve, I like that. No BS. A leader that tells the truth, don't lead me on. Oh, I like that. Mm-hmm. Who else? What What else makes us feel em- empowered, valued, appreciated. Randall? Yeah, I think it's coachable. And this is the two-way street, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if you're in a coachable employee, but you're a manager who can coach and be coached, right? Because you're going to learn stuff from your, from you, the people you work with, from the individuals you manage, from your higher, lower, doesn't matter, right? But when you are coached or coaching someone, you're giving them the tools. You're telling them what you want them to do. You're giving them the tools of the task, whatever, however it's going to work out. And then you leave them the hell alone and you let them do the thing and let them come to you. There's no need to micromanage there. There's that element of trust. You've built a relationship. You've explained the project. They're on board. Then why am I talking? Right. Let, let the individual do it and let them come to you when they've hit a, hit a point and, and not leading on and being honest and authentic and, and accountable to yourself, to your team and expecting the same from your team. If you're not holding yourself accountable and you show up and you're not accountable, how can you expect anybody else to be? Mm. Yeah, good points, Randall. Very good. I like that. Nasir, it looks like, did you want to 
share something? Sure. Yes. So I just want to let you know, leadership is a big success thing. You have to, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I was in the car business for over 30 years and the people that worked with me, not for me, were very successful because as you know, most people, there's five levels of leadership. Level number one is position. People follow because of title. That's not a good position to be, right? Position number two is permission. People follow because of relationships. That's a little bit better. Production, people follow because of results. And people development, people follow because of personal life change. And pinnacle, people follow because of respect from earned reputation. So you, you go to a lot of businesses and organizations. The people that are owners or general managers or presidents, they wouldn't know the lowest employee level person, right? Because as you know, you need a team to work together to make you successful. Wow. You know what? That, is, that last comment right there in the series is so profound. There's no such thing as a leader who made it on their own. Absolutely. Right? That's what I, I always say to people. Wayne Gretzky used to score a lot of goals, but he needed the team to pass the puck to him. Mm-hmm. Can't get it by himself from one That's to right. the other. That's and right. The reason why I would say we were successful because I had employees that worked with me for 25 years. One guy was a lot person. He is now a service manager. Mm-hmm. That's great. So you grow the people up. And I never questioned how many cars did you sell? How much service did you do? I just went around and asked them how things going. Fantastic. Thanks. Thanks, Nasir. Uh, again, you bring up another really good point. So here's a question for everybody. What do you think holds managers, leaders, however you want to entitle this, what do you think holds people back from being comfortable enough to empower their people to rise above them? When I, I think of fear, it's like the fear that they'll take over, they'll push you out. I, I hear some layers that work. We don't know everything, right? And if you're a leader, you want to be strong sometimes. So like, I think some leaders are afraid to be vulnerable and just like, hey, I know you're smarter than I am or you're better at this certain thing than I am. So I think when I think of fear, it's kind of from that perspective that uh, some leaders leave. I've seen it so much of the companies that we work with. It's like unbelievable. But uh, yeah, I, and I think my own life, I think, yeah. Like, you know, I personally over the last uh, couple of years, like tried to uh, raise up leaders to take over my company. And I'm in that position now where it's like, I don't know what I do every day because now they're doing it all. And there's a certain level of fear. Are they going to do it as well as I will, you know, my competitive nature? Or are they going to, you know, drive after the business? And like, it's a learning process, right? But yeah, trust and fear. Yeah. Trust and fear. You also uh, tapped into another aspect when you talk about fear is uh, what I heard is you didn't use the word, but I heard control. <laughs> yeah, you should. A need to control too. Sometimes we, we have to let go and give up our control. So others can thrive, right? Do that. Uh, Sue, you, you put in the chat and so did a couple others, ego. I'd love to hear uh, what's your thoughts on ego. Yes, I have uh, uh, seen many leaders who had the opinion of themselves 
that was very high and that anyone below their stature was less than they would never allow anyone to rise above them because they don't feel that it is even possible they would be threatened if anyone got close i've actually been terminated from a position because the guy i guess was just threatened by me and his ego got in the way and what could have been a lucrative and fabulous career was cut short because of this this person and thinking that that he was all that and everybody else was so much less than he it was a shame and he was terminated shortly thereafter but um because he did that to everyone who got close to the knowledge or who began to experience a lot of wins and then he would terminate them so he terminated all of his successful employees oh my yeah ego ego is a killer isn't it yeah, and you know, as you as you were saying that, Sue, what came up for me is the the lack of emotional intelligence, right? The ego and the fear and the control we're talking about is coming from lack of probably from the limiting beliefs that they have about themselves and the lack of self awareness. And that's what this conversation is really about: is understanding ourselves first. Because if we don't understand ourselves, how can we be incredible leaders? And you are a witness to that, Sue. And I apologize for being through that. You know, I'm sorry I had to endure that. However, hopefully he's going to learn at that point. We've all learned through some of our own mistakes. Absolutely. You know, and to your point, Sue, and I think a couple of people, uh, Randall and some others put this in the chat, Mark, and so forth, is a lot of times that ego, when it flares up, when it puffs itself up like that, is really a cover-up, right? It's a cover-up for insecurity, to Steve's point, fear, right? It's like, I got to keep this facade going, otherwise I'll be found out. To the limiting beliefs and fraud syndrome and you name it, imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome, yeah. Yeah. I think ego gets a bad rep though. I mean, ego in its definition is somebody's sense of their own worth, mm -hmm. right? Inflated ego or lack of ego would lead us down these other pathways, right? But ego in itself is, is not a bad thing because if you have self-worth, you show up for yourself, you do things for yourself, you have money in the bank, you drive a car, right? All these things can attribute to self-worth. So ego in itself isn't the bad thing. It's the directions it can drive or motivate or energize somebody to go wherever it takes them, I think is where we see these other things start to show up. Yeah, good clarification. If you are in leadership at any level, from frontline manager to chief executive, Licky and I would like to invite you to join the conversations in our live virtual studio audience every Thursday or any Thursday that you are available from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. For more information, please visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. Now, back to the program. Emotional intelligence seems to be the, the theme today. In fact, it's even more important than IQ. Intelligence gets us so far, 
but you all know, you all know, and maybe you have somebody in the family. <laughs> well, maybe it's just my family. You all know somebody who's really smart, but they've got the emotional intelligence of a teenager and in their older age, right? They just don't understand their own emotions, how to, how to react to their emotions and understand your emotion. So EQ is really important. What were you going to say, Licky? I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, there's that uh, the Gallup poll, right? What, is, what does it say? It's the 95% of the people think that they're emotionally intelligent, the self-aware? Oh, that's, uh, yeah, you're referring to Tasha Urich's work on self-awareness, um, which she's done a tremendous amount of study on self-awareness. If you haven't read her book, Insight, and some of her other works, powerful, powerful information. And what she's, what she's come up with over her studies is that 90 to 95% of us think we're self-aware, which is foundational element of emotional intelligence. Yet all the studies reveal that only 10 to 15% of us actually are. Youch. <laughs> so only two of us on this call are self-aware. <laughs> it's probably not me. <laughs> nope, not us. That's still a work in progress. <laughs> Self-awareness in this sense is not just knowing what your strengths and your weaknesses are. Some of us, probably many of us, could learn even more about that, about ourselves. But it's also like the word you use is manage. It's also being aware in the moment. It's learning to, to raise your heightened awareness of, remember the phrase, left unaware? It's, it's being aware of how I can be if I'm not paying attention, right? That's where self-awareness really kicks in and becomes, becomes important. So I was watching an episode of Survivor. <laughs> I don't know if anybody has watched Survivor. I can't stand when they eat the grubs, but forget that part. But I was watching, and this one young gal, she was very abrasive to people. And she got on there and she had an interview and she admitted, I'm very abrasive and it's, I, I just get to the point and I don't care if people like me or not. That's unmanaged self-awareness. She knows she's abrasive, but she's not doing anything about it to build stronger relationships, to communicate more effectively with people and to potentially to lead people if she ever gets it or if she's in or ever gets into leadership, right? So self-awareness is the beginning stage. Becoming aware in the moment and then learning to adapt is where we're heading. Kevin, you said something there. You know, as we started this conversation today regarding our own styles, that's starting to be aware. That's starting to be aware of what your temperament is. Mm -hmm. And self-awareness is a journey. You keep on being more and more aware of yourself. You know, we talked about ego earlier. If that person thought at all he was being egocentric, still didn't know how to manage it. Just even be aware that, okay, I might be coming across this. That's starting to be self-aware. Just starting to be. And then taking the actions, the emotional uh, triggers that cause him to be ego or her to be full of ego, that's where the issues are. So just think about self-awareness as a journey. And we're all on that journey starting today. You saw, started that conversation today. What happens now? How do we become more aware of our own temperaments and our own actions in the moment. Yeah, there's a lot of tools. Meditation is one of them. There's a lot of tools that we can apply to help us practice and learn to become more aware in the moment. Now, aware in the moment can also be juxtaposed with the term mindfulness, which you've probably heard and some of you have been, been trained in mindfulness, right? The more mindful we can become throughout our day, 
richer our relationships can be. And therefore, all the benefits of that, the greater our leadership can be, the more inspirational we can be, right? I found learning to take a breath before reacting has been the greatest lesson of my life. <laughs> because as a competitor, I want to jump in and jump on and solve something or give great advice. <laughs> fix. I want to fix it. I want to fix everything and everyone, right? Mm. And um, so I have learned that just taking a breath and realizing that, no, Sue, you don't need to fix everything. <laughs> you don't even know what you're doing. Stop it. Has been just a a real turnaround point for me, just taking a breath. Mm, good advice there, Sue. I think it's good, too, to, um, it maybe it takes courage for some leaders, but is to have honest conversations with whether it's your, your staff or other colleagues to say, how do you, how am I showing up in this conversation? I want you to be really honest with me. Mm. Um, how are you reading me in this in this situation? I think that that's really helpful. I think it it, it requires humility and mm. just to open yourself up just to have those honest honest conversations. I know I've had that with some of my team, people that report to me, not just people that work cross functionally from me. And it's been actually a real place of healing and actually relationship building, even stronger understanding of one another. That's awesome, Sherry, and so true. Other thoughts on that? What about Sherry's comment about having authentic conversations with your people, asking them how you are showing up? That sounds scary. The heart of leadership is based on serving others, not ourselves. Now that's, you understand that? Mm -hmm. The leader is supposed to look after you. Most leaders don't even know their people. Mm -hmm. They're not leaders, they're bosses, right? I mean, yeah. I've read a few books that, you know, John Maxwell, 21 Laws of Leadership, Irrefutable. Law number one is a law of the lid. You push your people down, guess what? You're not growing. You raise your people up and you become successful. This next uh, phase after all this COVID-19, out of these bosses have stayed at home for two years. They don't even know who their people are but they expect their numbers to be the same. Yeah, it's even more important, right? With this yeah. virtual world. Anything that you do is just in the people business, not just business, mm -hmm. even looking after your family, like raising, looking after your teenagers and make sure that you're not saying you gotta do this, you gotta do this. How do you, how can I help you get successful? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just, we published a blog article on our site not too long ago that I'm going to read a, a snippet because it's right to your point this year. It says, as a manager, you may be focused on tasks, responsibilities, and expectations that are part of the job. You put your head down, you get things done, and you're good at it. But as a leader, you're focused on the whole person, their needs, their wants, how they feel about what they do, what makes them happy or sad, how they can grow into something greater than themselves. This is the conundrum. We, we get so caught up in the minutiae of our days, we forget the difference between management and leadership, and we're all in leadership. Well, that's a difference, right? Kevin, we talk about good managers as, as opposed to incredible leaders, and a leader actually inspires others. Um, mm. Anybody can get the stuff done, and I say anybody as an, you know, but 
people can get stuff done. It's how do you inspire them to want to do things and get things done properly the way they want to get things done. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes an incredible leader. Yeah, becoming a subject matter expertise, a SME, if you will, yeah. is really important, right? But that's only half the equation. Learning how to really connect with people and inspire people is the other half. And what we found in the work that we're doing, leaders want to be incredible. They're just in their own way. And as they become a little bit more aware and put aside some of those beliefs that they have about themselves, they show up authentically. And that's what's starting to inspire people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Kevin, I think um, we wanted to talk a little bit about a bit of a gift for these people that are here today. What do you think? Well, you know, yeah, looking at the clock, we're almost yeah. top of the hour, so we're going to wind it down. We do want to take some last-minute thoughts or comments from any of you. But what triggered this thought is uh, who who said it earlier um, with regard to the authentic conversations, right? So one way to start having authentic conversations with your teams is to have everybody on the team complete the blind spot assessment. There's no charge for that. It takes three minutes. It's not a big deal. And then when they get the report, which comes immediately, they'll see the, the uh, strengths, but they'll also see their potential blind spots. So we have what we call the conversation guide, the blind spot awareness conversation guide. And that guide is, I don't know, seven or eight pages, but it, it helps you as a leader navigate a conversation with your whole team about their potential blind spots. And when you start out with your potential blind spots, you'll, you, you'll be amazed at how vulnerable and transparent the rest of your team becomes when they start sharing their potential blind spots because it's a third-party tool. They, they they can feel comfortable. It's like, well, my this tool says this is my blind spot. I'm owning it. It's all good, right? So it begins the conversation of having that authentic, vulnerable conversation. And you know what we'll do, Licky, is we'll put that guide into, the, into your login. So the next time you log in uh, before next week, that guide will pop up. It'll be there for you and you can actually download it. Uh, so if you'd like to go ahead and do that, feel free. It's You can use it. You can use the blind spot assessment on our website uh, it, always and anytime. And it's, there's no charge for that. Have all your people do it. We have Fortune 10 companies all the way down to small companies using our, our no charge blind spot assessment. Uh, if you're a coach and you do this professionally, you can actually get a licensed copy of it with your logo and everything else. That's a whole different story. Mark, I like your comment. Leaders make others the hero, not themselves. That's right. I love that. Yeah. And by the way, Mark, Mark is one of our advanced certified navigators, we call them, our, our coaches. And so uh, as Randall pointed out in the chat window, when Mark said leaders make others the heroes, not themselves, we always refer to those as Markisms. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant, Mark. I love it. All right. Anything else? Any last thoughts? We've covered a lot of ground today. Next week, we're not going to talk so much about the blind spot assessment, all that. We're going to have uh, more authentic conversations about how to how to be a better manager, a better leader, and ultimately just a better human being, better person. Thank you for listening to the Awareness Advantage podcast brought to you weekly by the leadership team at Blind Spots Global, a multinational, multicultural leadership development organization specializing in transforming managers who are good at getting stuff done into great leaders who can influence and inspire others to achieve their best. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so now so you will never miss an episode. 
If you would like to join our live virtual studio audience and participate in the conversations, visit us at blindspots.vip forward slash audience. That's blindspots.vip forward slash audience. We hope to see you there.